Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Everyone and welcome back to What a Ball Lake. I'm Matt Waterson and joined as ever by Gary Clark. How are we doing, Gary? Doing very well, mate. And yourself? I think this is the latest podcast we've actually done in this. Half past nine, quarter to ten or something. Yeah, I were recording quite late. You know, it's it's it's, it's, it's morning somewhere. <laughs> Never mind. And um, yeah, we're we're joined this week. Yeah, uh, we've got a very special guest on from the Irish Black Cats. We've got Michael Dunn. Michael, how are we doing, mate? All good, lads. Thanks for having us on, lads. Just talking about being late now. I actually have my Calvin Klein pajamas on me here as I'm talking to you, so that's how late it is. <laughs> At least you know the time zone difference. Yeah, yeah. There, there is no time zone difference, but maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, that's probably what it is, mate. I've been a Sunderland fan and just make it. I think you kind of yeah. get older. As, you know, I'm only 36 and I just feel so old now. <laughs> the grades are popping up. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, we'll we'll get into it. We'll get straight into it. But obviously, you know, being part of the Irish Black Cats as well. But I want I want to rewind to kind of your your, your roots of, of becoming a Sunderland fan. Really, I mean, what, what what was it that brought you to being you know the misery and pain of supporting Sunderland Football Club? <laughs> yeah, it, it is a strange one to be fair, and you know, you still get kind of when you talk to people even over here, they just can't get over the fact that I support Sunderland. Considering in Ireland, it's all Liverpool, Man U, Celtic. Uh, but my dad, so basically my dad was a massive Charlie Hurley fan as a kid, obviously big Irish centre-half, uh, legend of Sunderland. I think he was one of the, the best player of the century or something there a few years ago. 
um, and basically from a young age, you said you're supporting Sunderland. There's no choice to it. Um, so I was there's a photo of me, I think three years of age, in the house, and he has me in a Sunderland jersey, scarf, hat, shorts, and I was like, right, I, I have no choice here, so I'm just gonna have to follow suit. Um, and I always slag him off to this day. You basically gave me a life of misery. You didn't give me a chance really to <laughs> to pick a good team, but I wouldn't change it to be fair. But yeah, I know from a very early age. Big Sunderland fan. It was at my first game 2002 against Newcastle and we lost 1 0. I always remember Davizas. You remember Davizas? The Is that when it went off his nose? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, always, I always remember that game more so for. Um, I was behind the goal. I think Phillips had a chance for about 25 yards out and Shea gave him one of the best saves I've ever seen yeah. to this day. Like, um, but like, I was hooked even from that first game. I was hooked. It was just. I just I loved everything about it, and I've been I've become more and more obsessed as I got older. As and as we've got worse, which is kind of a strange kind of way it has happened. But yeah, that's really it. Like just my dad. Funny enough, it didn't work for my brother. He's a big Liverpool fan, so he kind of he's kind of delighted that he he missed the, the life of misery. But um, no, nah, I wouldn't change it. It's it's been it's been a, a roller coaster ride to say the least. Just just to bring back about Charlie Hurley, Gary, we've we've met him, haven't we? Ah, we met him in Durham, you know, out on a on a night out when uh, Love Shack was uh, around, God rest its soul. Um, who else was with him? Simon Crabtree. Was it Niall Quinn as well? Quinny, yeah, Quinny was there. Right. Right. Yeah, we got right. a signed photograph of Hurley, and I, I've still got it to this day, right. and still regret to this day that I thought he was a member of the Drummerville Consortium. <laughs> yep, I'll never ever in my life forget that as well. You went, are you part of Drummerville? Oh, no, yeah, that's funny enough. That's another connection for me. Actually, is my um, I actually I don't even remember if we told many people this, but my my um mom's cousin was uh one of the guys in the Drumville Consortium actually as well. So that was a uh, we like that was kind of funny because that only kind of obviously I was supporting so many years at that stage, and then um we were I was over at a match with my dad, and so my mom and dad aren't aren't together like anymore, but they were. They knew each. He, he obviously knew of him, and uh, he just stopped us in the airport. And he goes, "Ah, oh, so next time you're over, I'll bring you up to the boardroom and everything." And I was like, "Jesus, this is bizarre!" Like, there's some family members part of the Trumbull Consortium, <laughs> and actually, he was actually at the game on Saturday. In fairness, I met him in the airport, which is kind of nice that he still goes over after all these years. In fairness, so they, I think they, the Irish connection from the, that time sort of has lasted as well. It's you still see a few of the guys coming over and back a, a lot. Sorry, Gary, you have to edit this out. I'm just giving Yasmin a bottle of pop. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hey, it's never good when it's live. Um, right. So, obviously, Mike, with with um, I- Irish and Black Cats, really, I mean, we've, we've had it quite a few over the years. Some great, some not so, you know, but Niall Quinn, you know, was, was obviously, I would say, arguably the most famous um, Irish player to play for Sunderland and... You know, but even going going as far back, John O'Shea, you know, he he put in a good a good couple of years with us. Kevin Kilban, you know, all, all went to represent Ireland. It seems to be that you know, there's always one or two you always be cheering for for club and for country. Absolutely, yeah. It's actually been like that it's for years. I mean, as I started out, it would have been yeah, as you said, Kilban, Quinn. He sort of go and we had Mick McCarthy as the manager, of course. Um, and then he always had a couple of lads. I, from what I remember, I, I used to love Sean Thornton when he was playing under McCarthy. Oh Christ! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been good, like, but he just loved the sauce too much. He was, uh, <laughs> uh, he was, bit, he was a bit overweight playing. But um, no, there was then we had Don Keane. Always, that was the big one. That when Keane, when Keane took over with Quinn as chairman, like honestly, you'd want to see the amount of people that were flying over to Newcastle 
um, every weekend for games. Like you would have charter flights going on to Newcastle just to bring Sunderland fans over. So there was obviously a massive connection, and then that was yeah, it was great support in Ireland. You did have a lot of players um, on both teams as well. So it was kind of it's kind of dried up a little bit lately, isn't it? Like McGeady is the kind of last one. Technically, we still have one Irish player in the team, and Dennis Sirkin, who's actually born in Dublin. So just talk that he might actually get called up to the Irish team at some stage, but that'd be interesting to see if that happens or not. Yeah, I mean, Gary, probably a question for you. Who's your favourite, you know, Irish Sunderland player? Is it Quinny? It's got to be Quinny, man. He's an absolute yeah. legend, isn't he? And you know what? His love for the club has never, ever gone away, has it, really? I mean, obviously, when, you know, the club hit harder times, you know, the Drummerville Consortium was formed. Um, Quinn took over as, as manager for a little while and then obviously chairman, you know, and... You know, you can just tell his passion was always there for the club. And, you know, I think, like, as a Sunderland fan, I think some of our greater times, you know, were when, you know, Quinn was chairman and, you know, Keane was in charge. I, I mean, when we signed, like, Mal Bronk, you know, like, it was a good time to support the club. We were playing well, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think you've you got to go with Quinny. Um, I always love John O'Shea's passion for Sunderland, though. Like, I kind of, like... I can't knock John O'Shea like he always cared about us like and I, I'm sure I might be wrong but is he still on our books in some way shape or form as, as a coach or like a ambassador no he's a coach somewhere else he's at Redden isn't he Redden right, yeah and he's Irish from the 21s coach as well yeah I thought he still had something to do with us to be fair I thought it was like an ambassadorial role or something no, he's, he's definitely yeah, he's definitely first team coach. Red, we've got about like five ex football ex Sunderland players now, like who are first team coaches at the championship level teams. Like, uh, Dean Whitehead was in the dugout on Saturday, and I'm like, the, when's he come back? You know what I mean? Was, <laughs> I, yeah, him, yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot he existed, and uh, there he is. You know? to be the Dean Whitehead. I mean, I'm, I must admit, I'm still, I'm still uh, reading off Sean Thornton. It's just one of those ones that's like brought back the memories of uh, being quite young and watching him try to play football. But he, he, yeah. he loved to drink, didn't he? Bless him. He could have been, he could have been someone else. But I mean, Mike Gary brings up a really good point about Quinny. Obviously, great player at Sunderland, and then pretty much it probably over, overexert his his playing career. The fact that he pretty much saved the club from from going bust, you know. We were struggling under, I think it was the, obviously the Bob Murray um, wanted to sell the club and it was a massive, massive risk of administration. And then, you know, Quinny comes along um, with the Drummerville Consortium, puts himself into a, a little bit of an ill-fated managerial role for the first four games when we got relegated from the Premier League and then brings in Niall Quinn. I mean, the rest is history. I mean, brings in Roy Keane, sorry, and, and the rest is history, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it was it was a great it was a great time to support the club like the buzz around the buzz around the two of them like taking over Sunderland was just amazing like to be a part of that just even on it, like I'm so lo- I'm so happy to be out of an age to remember it like I'd hate to have been even a few years younger where you were just kind of a, a kid and you don't really appreciate the times that you're living in like like if you look at hindsight now we it, it's probably the, the best time in the last what 20 years of the club and uh, Quinn definitely my favorite season support and us definitely percent yeah so it was just it was every game like something happened you, you even when we were 2 nil down with 10 to go you kind of always thought we will probably nick a draw here somewhere like and like it was just we were never out of matches like the, the stadium was always full everyone was just in, I think everyone just appreciated the kind of the roller coaster of it and enjoyed it um Quinn Quinn obviously like absolute legend and just a really nice guy as well. I feel like you know he he has he, he really just took in the kind of 
the way of Sunderland, the people of Sunderland. He just he really engrossed himself in the area, and I think still like Keane, I think Roy Keane has a real soft spot for the club, like and. Obviously, it's just been time since where there's chances that he might have come back and stuff. I don't know if it would have been the right thing or not, but even still, you you know, you can see that he still had that affection for the club. And even though I'm sure those times were great, like I mean, the the season of the championship was like I always just think of Carlos Edwards after after Christmas when he came in. Like the, the goals he got were amazing. Those thirty hard shots. I think he got two or three of them. Then the Premier League, the first year in the Premier League was good. Like we still continue to score loads of late goals. We we Keane, whatever he did. He, he really gave self-belief to the team to never give up and obviously that probably came from his time at Man United under Fergie but I think at the same time even though it was going so well you oh, you kind of always had that feeling that it was going to end in a sort of negative way because the character that Keane is you know I think once Ed Short came in it, you knew it was only going to go one way um, Gary you've got a list <laughs> I've, never, I've never put this on your mind but Gary's got a list of some Irish players that have played for Sun and obviously you know we've, we've mentioned Kilban Quinn and everything like yep. that but there's a little bit of a few ones that might um, that might trigger your memory but <laughs> we're going to go over like one word answers on the mic if that's alright with you the first go word for... that comes to your mind when I mention this player yeah, can I have a go as well <laughs> absolutely right so I'll tell you what because I just thought I'd have a look there while we're talking um, I'll get one word from yourself Michael one word from uh, Yuan in regards to whichever player I pull out here alright Okay. So we'll start with you, Michael. David Connolly. Penalties. And? Legend. <laughs> uh, Andy Reid. Start with you, and. <laughs> Fat. <laughs> Michael? Burgers. <laughs> Fat burgers. Subway. Um, Paul McShane. We'll start with you on that one, Michael. Oh, Donkey. <laughs> and? Mad dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably one that everyone forgot about, maybe. And we'll start with you on this one. Graham Kavanagh. Solid. <laughs> Michael? Yeah, I actually would say solid as well. Yeah. He wasn't bad, to be fair. Ah, Ripley. Yeah. Cool. Um, this one could be interesting. I, I think you only made maybe like one start. Start with you on this one, Michael. Roy O'Donovan. Shit. <laughs> Fraud. Fraud. Um, and this one's for you to start off. Kenny Cunningham. Um, Christ. Um, I can't really remember playing that well for something. So, um, uh, inconspicuous. Michael. Oh. Eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> if you actually ever watch clips of him online, watch his eyebrows. They go up about like three foot up towards his head from his all over his forehead. Like he's the longest sort of stretch of an eyebrow I've never seen. <laughs> didn't didn't Sting bring him in on the backroom stuff to be like performance analyst or something? He was basically off DVDs. Could have, yeah. I, I, I couldn't see Roy Keane and Kenny Cunningham getting along though that much. No, this, this, I don't know if it was. No, it might not have been. It might have been Steve Saunders, I think. I, I might be wrong. Uh, I might be wrong on that one. I've got two more for you. Yeah. Paul Butler, Michael. Veteran. And? Thighs. <laughs> Did you see a thighs there? Thighs. <laughs> Fair enough. He was a bit 
Hey. Paul Butler's from Preston. <laughs> yeah, he played once for Ireland, I think, actually. Yeah, he, he did. He turned out for Republic Island. Yeah. <laughs> this is what this list is saying. I'm just telling you what's on it. Um, I like this guy personally. You know, he wasn't fantastic, um, but he had his good games every now and then. Gary Breen. Is this me or Mike? Uh, I start with you on that one, Ant. Um, backwards. <laughs> <laughs> My I, I'd go solid no I liked him he wasn't the worst in the championship now like he wasn't bad uh, there's loads here like absolutely loads but I'll, I'll leave it at that like um, there were but... some good ones to be fair some of them did yeah. remember. Yeah. Roy O'Donnell I, I thought about him in about six years <laughs> there is some names here like... yeah. <laughs> Colin Healy as well he was one of the ones who came over and everyone was like he's going to be mint when he like wasn't um was Thomas Butler? He was. He was. Was yeah. he Irish? Uh, Irish Yeah, he was supposed to be very good, but injuries killed him, didn't they? I remember um, we were in. I can't, Gary, I can't remember if you were out with with me then or not. Like when I was up the Sunday League team, and Paul uh, Thomas Butler was in um, one of the bars in Durham, and literally one of like all of his Sunday League team were calling him the Irish Joe Cole, and uh, <laughs> he, he just couldn't put his face anywhere. So one of them was like going, "Oh, another pint for the Irish Joe Cole," and I just went, "Oh, Thomas Butler in," <laughs> and they were like, "Ah!" <laughs> like, didn't know, didn't know what what else to say. Well, that was uh, that was fun, but um, mate, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about kind of the recent times of Sunderland obviously me and you have known each other for the last few years now um you know being on Rope Report together and obviously we've got a big fans fans um weekend coming up in April um which will be mint because we'll get to have a, a few pints together but obviously the the club suffered a, a you know a double relegation and you know Stuart Donald took over and we've had four years in League One I mean you've, you've still kept coming along haven't you I mean like what what is just what keeps attracting you to get on that plane fly over and and watch your team, you know, lose to Gillingham or, or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's it's something I don't even know myself. Like, because it's 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 you know, it's easy to say, but it sort of is like just an addiction to go. And you just, I feel like I've become funny enough. I think ever since we actually went down to League One and the supporters club, like I set that up, was it 20, 2018, 2019 maybe? And I think just the the camaraderie of like the group of lads together going over has like even giving me an even more passion to go to the Sunderland games and like even like meeting the likes of yourself and, and having a connection with people over there it's more it really is more than just going to the matches it's the whole experience of you know feeling a part of a club feeling part of nearly a community of, of fans that like are very very passionate about their team it's it's very different to supporting someone like Man United or a big club like Chelsea or something like I don't think for a second that those clubs have the same sort of um, I suppose passion for their team or the, the fan base has the same passion so like I think ever since we had that supporters club set up it's it's become more so but even like before that it's just like it's really just the love for it the love for the team I think it's the underdog a little bit of as well there's a bit of like you know we really appreciate when we have our good times because they don't come wrong so often so you know we really appreciate the good moments but it's just I've really fallen in love with the city itself the people of the city and the club like I, th- I I don't think that's a, I don't think that's just for myself. I think that's for anyone in our support school. But also, you read stories of people all around England and far, you know, Sunderland. I think is one of those clubs, and there is a few of them in fairness in England that you can connect to. You can connect to the people that are like the people are so welcoming. 
I think that's more to do with it. Like you do feel that sort of sense of belonging when you go to the games and you're with the people. Um, and you know, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change that for supporting a team that has more success because, let's be honest, it actually probably does get a little bit boring after a while as well. So I like the drama of Sunderland too. So I think it's all that sort of stuff. And and you know, it can it can be on. It can. It sounds kind of like nice to say and in rich in words but it is truly the fact that like the people make the area and the club like it, you see it even and i think that's why people love the netflix you see it in the people in the the series it's the passion that everyone has for the club and um, that really kind of sucks you into supporting them so that was it for me really ah uh, i mean you had to mention that bloody documentary <laughs> i mean i <laughs> but like Gary Mike brings up a really good point there that for me I don't think there's another club in the world really that that is as unique as what Sunderland are you know like you know we've, we've gone we've been down to the doldrums you know we're kind of we're on our way back up but it's still that that it's that sense of community I think you know I've, I've just mentioned the the international fans day that we're having we had that a couple of years ago and not many other teams do that. We set up a you know a yearly foundation for the for the community soup kitchen to try you know raise that them some money for Sunderland. You know obviously the Bradley Lowry stuff that that happened. It, it is such a you know I mean it used to be called you know the Cameron Club and in many ways it still is. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean I'll I'll go back to like just what you were saying straight away in that point there. I mean you were on about how you know we're down the doldrums and all that sort of stuff. I mean can you tell me a season you know being a Sunderland fan where the season is pretty much mirrored mirrored the previous se- season. I mean, every season is a different season. Um, Obviously, you know, we had them back-to-back relegations, which was definitely the lowest point as a Sunderland fan. Um, yeah, them two seasons definitely mirrored each other. <laughs> in in <laughs> different ways, in very different ways. But um, I we were just absolutely dross. I mean, yeah, I mean, every season, you know, is, is a... You don't know what to expect as a Sunderland fan, let's be honest. But the club, um, obviously the people, the community, like I feel like it's especially over the last couple of years has really like evolved. Like you know, league what being in League One really showed how much of a community, like how much, how great of a community that we have. We're getting thirty thousand fans in in League One. I mean, how many clubs would actually really get that many fans? I mean. I was looking at um an attendance for a championship game last week and it was like five thousand fans then we we're getting like between thirty and forty thousand fans turning up and you know that's because you know of of the community of the support in the north east there's no support like it um you know like it's just really like it's kind of hard to put into words how like passionate everyone is about the club and you know even through the good times and even through the bad times you know everyone sticks together and you know, we, we all still love this club, which is definitely going to make us go great 10 years uh, earlier than expected, like. I've, I've gone bald, you know what I mean? I'm about 36 years old. I've got my head on me here. I can't sleep at night, you know what I mean? It's it's all down to football. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Mike, you, you mentioned, obviously, about setting up the, the Irish Black Cats, which, you know, you guys now come to majority of the home games, Um, you know, week in, week out, you know, it's it's just amazing to see. Obviously, you got a lot where he's all getting watch the games in Dublin, don't you? Um, whenever you can, I mean, just just go through you know the history of that really and um, how it's evolved over the years. Yeah, it was basically it was just one day I was 
it's like I think it was the first year we were in League League One under Jack Ross, and I was going over to games, basically either with my dad, who was sort of was he was he moved kind of further away from Dublin, so he was harder from to go to the games, and he probably just lost a bit of interest after fifty years of misery, and. Uh, he just, I was going over and I wasn't really going over to anyone. So I was going to games on my own and stuff. And I sort of like, I, I loved, I was kind of like longing for that sort of maybe, I suppose, a connection or a friend or something to just to go to the games with. And then I just randomly one day just said, Feck it, I'll, I'll try set up the uh, supporters club. And um, I think I got in touch with Roke Reporters before I was involved um, about putting an interview out just to gather some interest. And then Chris Waters on the website did one with me as well and within i'd say within maybe a month i'd kind of got 30 people together um and the first sort of with the first night we kind of i'm organized the pub in dublin to meet up we had um we watched the bristol rovers semi-final of the check trade trophy the year we got to the final and we was the first we met up in dublin to watch that we had about 15 or 16 there um, and there was it were twenty twenty two three years on there's just under a hundred people like involved, and it's just grown in terms of like the amount of people that come in like I you I still get emails every so often Michael I'm in such and such in Cork or in Clare or in Kildare different parts of Ireland wondering when are you going to matches can we meet up and in fairness like it's been great with the in fairness the club and Chris Waters especially he's really kind of helped us out and sort of like recognise us as the official branch of Ireland and helps us with tickets, safer away games and kind of always see how we're getting on and tries to encourage us. But it's grown and grown and like we, we, we've got to a point now where, you know, we have a WhatsApp group with about 90, 90 something people in it, all like from Ireland, like which is amazing. And now like I'd say now I met my friend Sean through that now he'd be one of my best friends now. Like I was, I was, I was a groomsman at his wedding and everything like because we just the connection we made over Sunland and we especially would go over nearly every second week we're absolutely mad like I don't know how our women stick up with us but <laughs> <they're still around. laughs> but like we've got like I mean you could go from each game every every game you know there's at least some someone from our supporters club going to the matches so it really has grown and it's sort of just kind of making that connection for lads and we do meet up and stuff which I think even like there's a lot of lads that would probably not go to the games in England as much but they love coming to to the pub to watching us play on telly with a few points like so it's different for everyone it, you know so everyone I think different people get different things out of it which is great like you know what I mean it's some of us who love going over to the games some of us just want to go to one game other lads just want to go watch them in the pub and that's the whole point of it, it it's a, it's basically just a club for people with a similar interest to you know have a, a, a something to talk about together and in fairness it's gone from strength to strength and I think you know I hope that it, we can sustain it now over time because we've made that connection. So hopefully it just keeps growing and growing. Yeah, I mean, and hopefully you get to see us back in the Premier League as well. Where yeah, you know, we've dream. I mean, I mean the one, the one kind of like tidbit I took from that is that all those, all those Irish guys must have thought that Will Grigg was amazing after that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was probably his only good game for us. <laughs> I think we were all really awakened after that. Yeah. Yeah, massively. Yeah. Massively, but just just to, to talk about that, Gary. I mean, we're quite lucky, you know. We live, you know, relatively local to to Southern. You know, I'm in Durham, and obviously you've made the the jump to to move to where uh, are we calling Blade and Gateshead or Newcastle? We're calling it Newcastle. Uh, Gateshead, Gateshead. Gateshead. <laughs> you know what, right? <laughs> Side of the river, to be fair. You know what? I still wear my Southern shirt out and about, and I still wear my Southern shirt when we're on TV. And you know what? People can see in my kitchen window through my blinds, and I haven't been knocked out yet, so I'm doing Aries. 
Yeah, we're, I mean, we are we are quite lucky that we live what, what twenty minutes away from the ground and that that. But it, you know, to hear what Mike's just said there about you know coming over, you know, being this, you know, this 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 supporters club really that you know is coming over every week now, even going to away games together and all that. And it just it just goes to show you know how much how big of a football club this is. Um, you know, we're even seeing obviously I keep on bringing back about this international fans. Do we've got Romanian fans? You know, we've got fans coming all the way from Canada. You know, it's it's just amazing to see you know so many fans you know interlinked with this club but also I think for me personally and for yourself it's kind of like kind of hits home how lucky we actually are yeah definitely I mean and you're on about there you know fans come from all over I remember um, a couple of months ago we had um, a chat with I think someone who has been on Rotor Report who came from Australia um, for the um, came to Wembley didn't he Um, for the final of the playoffs on this podcast yeah, yeah, we we had one of your friends um from Roke, um not on our podcast. I think we were talking about him, Martin. Probably Martin. Martin. Yeah, Martin. Martin. He actually missed the game. <laughs> he missed the game. Well, you know what? At least the commitment was there. He still got a flight over. He might have missed the game, but you know the, the commitment was there. But no, you are you one hundred percent right there. I mean, you know, people come from all over, and you know, you see on all these forums as well on social media where you know people. Like potentially on holiday looking for a place to watch a Sunderland game you know they've got the Sunderland shirt on got the Sunderland scarf on um, the, the community aspect of you know what the club has achieved and you know where it's going it, it's brilliant and then you know you, you do have like all these community groups I mean like like you were saying there before Michael you've got a WhatsApp group of 90 people how you do that I have literally no idea I can't keep up with a WhatsApp group of 9 people but you know everyone's got like you know shared interests and all it takes is just want to maybe put it out there you know maybe you know 10 other people are just a little bit shy to do so but it, it builds a massive community where you know at the end of the day we just want to talk about football and the club we love um so not totally the, the way like it's came on and you know how well represented we are not just obviously in in the uk but all over the world um from our fan base is fantastic yeah, I want to talk about this season, Mike. Um, you know, obviously we finally, you know, got promoted and at Wembley. Uh, I remember meeting you absolutely pissed out of my mind at Trafalgar after after the game. And we shared a <laughs> mutual love for the club and a mutual hate for someone who will remain nameless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know but, nothing. I know, I, I'm not coming. <laughs> no, we're not coming on that. Um, but you know, like. This year, obviously, we've had you know we've had a really roller coaster as as per usual. It was Sunderland. It's never going to be boring. Roller coaster season where we started relatively well. You know, lost our manager. You know, Tony Mowbray comes in within three games. We now don't have a striker. Um, you know, we've gone on a little bit of a, a run where we are struggling a little bit in terms of results. Um, you know, obviously some of the results tonight have really not gone our way, and we've dropped like six positions in the league. But I think. You know, you can see that the efforts there, the, the football's actually at times been tremendous. Um, Justin Yorgis, do you think, you know, January coming up, do we need, where do we need to strengthen and, and whereabouts do you think we'll finish uh, come the season's end? Yeah, you're right. It, it has even, like, you can really split the season up before and after we kind of lost Alex Neal and got, we lost Ross Stewart really because they kind of happened within a few days of each other nearly. Or weaker within each other, but it's yeah, it, it was disappointing to lose Alex Neil now, to be honest. Like, you know, people were like slag him off, this and that, but I don't, I just don't think he really kind of felt the way the club was going was something he wanted to be part of. I think he kind of obviously seems like a kind of manager who just wanted to take full kind of control of 
of of a team of a club so to speak transfers and stuff and Rich Sunderland clearly aren't going that way I think nearly he probably saw us getting promoted as a sort of you know put him back in the shop window to get another job and since he's gone yeah obviously losing Ross Stewart Lyndon Gooch Elise uh, Ballard they've all been injured it's 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 been a bit of a struggle to be honest and yeah the football is very good Um. I'm sort of wary of Tony Mowbray purely just because I think I think we're, we're far too loose at the back since mm. he's come in. Um, I think we definitely play a lot more attacking football with him, and I think obviously that's you know probably the reason why we're we're looser at the back. But it's obviously not working as well for him because we we don't have our our best player and Ross Stewart, and it's we do look a bit fragile at the back and. I think I do think when these lads come back we will be a lot stronger. But I would be fearful, say, if we come back we they come back and we're still struggling from over because I don't know what sort of excuse he can use then. But I don't think when for one second we're gonna struggle or anything in, in terms of relegation. I think some Sutherland fans are trying to kind of find it hard to comprehend that, you know, we're actually gonna have a season where we're gonna just be mid table because it's been so long since we've sort of not had anything to really fight for in terms of promotion or relegation. So I think maybe we're sort of struggling with the inconsistencies of the team. But you got to remember, it's a really young team. And I think, you know, it's nice to have a season like this and just kind of consolidate the championship. Yeah, just as long as it just doesn't get too uncomfortable, I think, Gary. You know, obviously, we've got this World Cup break coming up. Um, you know, one more game to go. Uh, we're at Birmingham. I, you know, I, I can't see us winning there, to be honest. But I'd love to see us pick up three points. But I think in the terms of, you know, no, nobody ever wanting to win the World Cup, to be honest, in terms of being a Sunderland fan, it might actually be a really, really good thing to have because we'll get everyone back fit. You know, we've got, I think, Millwall in the middle of it in on a 3rd of December or something weird like that. Um, but it gives us a chance to go away. I think we're going away and, you know, doing some warm weather training and things like that. And it might just give them a chance just to kind of push the reset button, I think, a little bit. Because obviously we've had this really, you know, you know, for being like you know a mid-table side, it's just it's been a very, very you know tumultuous kind of kind of season where you know it's been a little bit you know kind of ups and downs, and but it gives us that chance to get a little bit of consistency back, I think, for this World Cup and gets you know obviously the Loch Ness jumper back, gets Don Ballard back, gets you know Asi Alicia back, so you know it, it, for me it couldn't have come at a better time. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, so far we've got two internationals going, we've got Bennett and we've got Wright going. Um, we ha- it's not like half of our team is going, let's be honest. Um, so it is going to be the opportunity to get everyone back fit, um, get everyone back training together, build build the relationship again as well. Because I mean, we spoke about this last week, and now or chat. Like we've had five senior players missing. Um, you know, it kind of breaks up the you know the the current team chemistry that we have because we were playing great football players, um, such as you know, um. Lise coming in, played brilliant. Um, you know, Gooch was playing every week and then got injured. Um, Gooch looks to be pretty much on the men though and should be back um after the break, which would be good. Um hopefully draw a Loch Ness Drogber is as well. Um and it'll do us well. Um I think it's what we need. We need to kinda, you know, kinda reevaluate a little bit because as Michael said, I do feel like we do look a little bit loose at the back at the moment. And I think though that might be down to the amount of defensive changes. So we brought in Elise to replace certain when certain was injured. Now certain is back. Elise is injured. Um, you know, O nine's been playing centre back. We lost Ballard. 
Um, Gooch is now injured. Like if you look at all those changes at the back there, we had to bring in Trey Hume, and then we've moved on nine to right back. This this whole break will will do us well. I think we're going to Dubai, so I think we're going to do some warm weather training, which um is is ironic because we're going to be close to Newcastle from what I'm aware. Because I think they're doing warm weather training in Dubai as well, and then going to Saudi. Um, so that'll be. Uh, very interesting but you know cold uh, Friday night at Birmingham hopefully you know we'll get a win fingers crossed like yeah, I'll take the draw now to be honest yeah. um, but um, I had something really funny to say that and I forgot <laughs> never mind um, but Mike just to ask you this one like obviously a lot of teams in our division are going to have a lot of players you know going into, into the World Cup and we're quite lucky that we've got two you know one of them being Bailey Wright the one being um, Jimison Bennett uh, who hasn't really played that much football since coming to Sunderland obviously you know he's a young lad he's still learning his trade and all that but it it's just this reset, I think, to get everyone back fit and even get those players, you know, like Sir Corey Evans, Dan Neal, who's played a hell of a lot of football, you know, mm. most Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, just to give them that little bit of a rest. Yeah, they're going, you know, yeah, they're going to go and do some training and everything like that. But, um, you know, it just gives them the chance just to get match fit again, I think. That's it. And the thing with the championships, like, even for Mowbray himself, he's probably never really actually had a chance to sort of spend time on actually definitively how he wants to play because he's never had his full squad at all and as you said the way the championship is it's it's endless it's constant match after match Saturday to Tuesday Saturday to Tuesday so hopefully you'd like to think it's it, it'd be kind of like in, within the season itself so he has about two three weeks to sort of get everyone back fit maybe work on certain things that he's noticed now over the last few weeks that haven't gone too well. And as you said, we're not really impacted on it other than Bailey Wright, who probably won't start, say, if Ballard and Elise all come back. Um, um, Dewey, who's still only really probably acclimatising to the country, never mind the football. So um, it's it, I, you'd like to think... I mean, I think a lot of Sunderland fans are pinning hopes in the fact that we'll come back stronger after this, this, this World Cup. But, you know, we are going to need a couple of results fairly early on you, you mentioned that Millwall game we probably need to be winning that because you know we're, we're I think after today we're 17th and you just don't want the pressure to ramp up and you know the way we can be as Sunderland fans we do kind of get a bit dramatic when things start going badly even after a couple of games so to keep to keep the atmosphere on, on side you know things were a little bit touchy on Saturday I don't know if you guys were there but I felt it was a little bit touchy in the stadium and you wouldn't want that to ramp that up if, if after the World Cup we're not getting a couple of results but I would have faith in the fact that get those players back like we in my opinion one of the best strikers in the league who could easily be playing in the Premier League so if we get Ross Stewart back and Ballard who I think had a, started really well and Elise who looked class the last few games I think will fly up the table easily comfortably mid-table but it is going to it is going to be um, I suppose it is going to be a great opportunity for Mowbray to, to kind of reset a little bit and maybe get his ideas across yeah, I mean, me, me, me and worry about this kind of uh, warm weather training is how on earth Tony Mowbray's going to acclimatise himself from Dubai. <laughs> 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 like, you know, of England, like. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I just don't think he's going to like it, to be honest, you know, bless him. <laughs> but, you know, getting like, going into a seven-star hotel and getting, you know, waiting on hand and foot, I just don't think it's up for him. It's going to be really funny in the match. It's going to be the 3rd of December and all the players are going to come back with really big tans all over them, like, so. It's gonna look so odd. <laughs> it's gonna be quite weird seeing Tony Wilbur with a really weird suntan kind of yeah. on like a striker. <laughs> That's what we get when we've lost. 
Never mind, never mind. Now we're gonna smash them. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Um, just very quickly from from these both actually. Um, we'll start with Gary on this. Obviously, just literally coming up after once we all get back from the World Cup is the transfer deadline. Um, obviously January transfer window, and I think we will you know strengthen. But I want to ask both of you really. Um, which positions you'd love to strengthen? Obviously, there's there's a striking option. Um, um maybe in midfield. You know, Corey Evans. Seems to be, you know, our only player was capable of being defensive in the midfield and, you know, maybe another centre-back. But, you know, Gary, I'll start with you first. You know, where where would you like to see us uh, strengthened in January? I think we definitely need another forward, um, definitely, because, you know, having Stuart and Sims out is, has been hard. And let's just say, for example, um, we lose both of them mid-February, then we're in the same predicament for the rest of the season. In all honesty... Um, I think Stewart getting injured has probably saved us a lot because I thought he would be off in January. If he continued his form, he would have been off in January. We've probably got him now for the rest of the season. Um, so it's probably served us all right. Um, I don't think Sims is a one-up top kind of guy. So we definitely need Sims and Stewart back playing together because I think that they work well together. If it's Sims up top, I see him as generally quite lazy, so I definitely think we need another striker. Um, I definitely think we need a right back as well, because I feel since Gooch is injured, we don't know who's going to play there. Is it all nine? Is it Hume? Um, is it Rice? Um, I, I don't think Morbury knows who's best in that position when he doesn't have Lyndon Gooch. Um, but I do think we need a more defensive right back as well. Um, so definitely look into that. And I think we could use one more centre midfielder, if I'm being honest as well. Maybe a box-to-box player. Because Dan Neal, for me, come January, will be very tired. Much like him and Callum Doyle were last season. So I definitely think we need to bring in a midfielder on loan. A right-back, potentially, on loan. And another striker as well. Yeah, same question, mate. Yeah, I would agree. Definitely a striker. Um, obviously it, for clear reasons what we've seen for the last two months ever since Stewart got injured and Sims got injured we just we need someone who can score I know we're linked with Bradley Dak a good bit I think he's sort of an attacking mid sort of striker isn't he um, he might be a different option I'm not a massive fan of that of Sims to be honest and as you said Gary he's definitely not one up top I thought he was really poor on Saturday he just I don't know if he looked disinterested or not fit or whatever but everything about him was just off um, and we need a striker who can maybe play up on his own if say something happened again where we were we were down numbers and you could maybe nick a goal uh, maybe a bit of a target man might be the, some sort of style of striker to go for uh, holding mid as well sort of the Curry Evans role as you said and, and Gary like that's yeah Evans can't play every game it's clear and I think you know everyone was calling for, for Mowbray to bring in Dan Neal and especially Abdullah Ba on Saturday um, but it, it, I think it was quite obvious early on that, especially Ba is just probably not actually ready to sort of anchor anchor the midfield, and they thought the two lads were completely lost together. Uh, so maybe a, a kind of an experienced player. I think we need to maybe add a couple more experienced heads because at times the team looks really really young and so just missing someone just to sort of take control of the kind of the the, the team itself. Um, and especially when Evans is not playing, you know, you could see when Evans and Pritchard came on on Saturday that they 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 calmed everything down a little bit and got up, got got the foot in the ball and started pressing up against Cardiff a bit more. So I think maybe an experienced head around midfield would be something I'd be looking for. 
Yeah, I, I'd love to see us get a shit house, you know, like just yeah. someone who's just going to fly into tackles and, you know, really break the play up for us and, and make it a little bit, t- kind of just take the, the weight off Corey Evans. I think, uh, you know, Corey Evans, to be fair to him, is, is done so well this year and the back end of last year as well, but he's he's very much an injury prone kind of player, wasn't he? When, when we signed yeah. up Blackburn, obviously, the, you know, he came with an injury record, so I'd love to see us get someone else there, but I agree with you. I think we need a striker. And, and I think Gary brought up a good point, uh, another right back. I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, a right back come in. Um, maybe just to give us a bit more defensive shape. You know, I, 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 I always have a love-hate relationship with Lyndon Gooch. Um, you know, times I love him, the times I hate him. He, he just put the effort in, but he's not a fullback. That's, that's just me worry with him. At, um, long term, I think I want a fullback playing fullback. You know, that's that's just the way it is. Um, but I think Niall Huggins might give us that option once Niall Huggins is fit. Um, you know, come back to the under-23s. Seems to be doing really well. Um, I think they'll probably maybe get him out on loan in January and then uh, see what he can do at the end of next year. Um, but we'll start like you know, kind of, um, kind of bringing things to a close really. And we've got what what is relatively a new feature to us is our five quick questions, which is both for Mike and both for Gary. Um, we're going to make it Sunderland and, and you know Irish related. Um, well, yeah, both questions really. So we'll start with the first one. We'll start with Gary. Move to Mike. Is uh, what position will Sunderland finish this season? Twelve. Um, I'd say tenth. Tenth. Yeah. So there's playoffs out the out of reach, then Gary. <laughs> I, I said that ambitiously. You know what I mean? You've got to be optimistic, yeah. mate. You've got to be. And obviously, yeah, currently it's not working. But... Uh, no, no. Um, start with we'll start one with Mike. This one, if if I'm giving you one player in January, who will it be? Prost the sign, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, does that have to be realistic? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't say Highland no. No, no. <laughs> I would, I would love, I would love one of those central midfielders that Sheffield United have. Yeah. They, they would be the sort of player we need, definitely. Uh, someone who can sort of... I don't know, actually, their names escape me. I'm just Is it like Norwood or Fleck, one of those boys? I'd love yeah. to get one of them in midfield. Someone who can just, you know, who's been there, done it in the league. Yeah, that's a great shout, Gary. Rico Lewis from Man City on loan. Right. Is that the guy who scored last week in the Champions League? Yeah, fullback. Yeah, well. he looks a he looks a player in like yeah yeah. Um, to be honest, like he's already been mentioned. I'd have Alan Bradley Jack's a fantastic signing. Yeah, he'd be good. Yeah, I think I think it'll probably happen as well with the connections at Marbury. I'd say we'll probably end up getting him. Yeah, providing he stays fit. Obviously, he's had he's had a bit of a, a bit of a um, bad luck with his knee. Um, but yeah, I think he's I think he's gonna be gonna be great. Um, this one is just for Gary. Um. And it's regarding England squads. Jack Grealish, yes or no? No. <laughs> Just for Mike, what are you going to be doing for the World Cup, son? <laughs> Watching the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lastly, um, favourite Irishman ever played for Sunderland? Gary first. Favourite Irishman ever played for Sunderland? It's got to be Quinny. We answered this before, it's definitely Quinny. Yeah, but he could be your best, but your favourite, you know. You might have a, a, you know someone else who's who's a, your favourite, uh, apart from Quinny. It's can, just Quinny. Can I say Andy Reid? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> no, no, in all honesty, you know, see, um, the first thing I think of when I think of Kevin Kilban is when his pants fell down at Chelsea. Like, and for the, for the <laughs> comedy <laughs> value, I'm going to say Kevin Kilban. <laughs> just for comedy value. Just for comedy yeah. value. Yeah. Mike? 
It has to be Quinny, but I always had a soft spot for McGeady, to be, to be fair, in the last few years. I thought he was class for us. Yeah, I, I'm someone in love with Quinny, yeah. Um, that was a bit of a daft question, because we were all going to say the same. <laughs> Never mind, yeah. Sean Thornton. <laughs> Darren Gibson. It's been worse than him. <laughs> yeah. I know, Gib- Gary's mentioned one, I had Darren bloody Gibson, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Another one I like the sauce. Uh, never mind. Um, right, so, <laughs> we, we, so we, we always end off with um, Baldwin Bolick. Um, as has been mentioned, we have uh, a player who's had a particularly good week or a player who has had a particularly bad week. does not have to be football, uh, but it does have to be sport-related. Mike, we'll start with you for your baller. Uh, I'm going to go... Just from what I read today, Christian Eriksen, it's, I think it's an amazing story for a fella who was basically dead on the pitch in the Euros, is, is going to make the World Cup squad and has come back so strong after that and has been like a really key player for Man United this year. So good week for Christian Eriksen. Yeah, yeah. As always, the guest normally kills it straight away. Absolutely pull, pulls it out the ball. That's a crack on one. Gary? Uh, it's going to be a trio of young ballers. So um, I was really impressed with how Leeds came back at the weekend and I felt a lot of their comeback was down to Somerville, not all, and obviously Sunderland, Sam Greenwood. Um, and his Greenwood's goal was mint as well. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to give it to, the, to a trio of young ballers who I think have got a really bright future in, in the game, especially Somerville. I think Somerville looks a cracking player. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? Very, Very good, good player. Definitely need him in my dream team life. Yeah, I mean, the only sad thing about that is it just brings you back to Stuart Donald trying to completely asset strip the club by getting rid of Sam Greenwood, um, who would have made it at Sunderland and um, is a really is is a madman as well. Um, and they always show the um, the picture when we were in the League Cup final of Dan Neal and you know cheering the, the, the team on nah. and the guy next to him, Sam Greenwood. So you know he's he's an absolute true madman and uh, yeah he he was brilliant. The all all three of them were and I echo. Such a player. Uh, mine is a, a name that I don't think many of us would, will have heard of before. I've just literally watched the Twitter video all day today, and it's um, Polish amputee player Marcin Alexi, who has scored the Pushkas Award. Honestly, he's he's literally an amputee uh, playing, obviously in the amputee um, the games, and he scores an overhead kick. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It is fucking brilliant. Brilliant goal. So he's he's my ball of the week. Um, so Q, Gary, and Mike just quickly nipping onto the onto the Twitter now. And see what's on the balls. So we'll go from uh, baller to ball ache. Mike, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with Ralph, who hasn't who lost his job yesterday. Uh, Southampton manager, and to be honest, it's probably been a long time coming from because uh, it was a two nine nil defeats and just uh, consistently conceding three or more goals every single week. I'm actually surprised he lasted as long as he did. So, uh, obviously, a stronger dislike from because he got hammered by Newcastle on Sunday, which is just, just frustrating to watch on the telly. But, uh, yeah, so I'll go for Hasenhutl for that one. No worries. Yeah, good choice. Yeah, Gary? I'm going to go with Argentine referee Facundo Teo, who is going to be a referee at the World Cup. Uh, who dished out 10 red cards at the weekend for the Boca Racing Club uh, Cup final. Um, where he got 10 red cards from, I don't know. I just hope to God that, you know, um, we don't get him for one of our games because I don't want to see him brandish 10 red cards for us. Um, but, yeah, very interesting story at the weekend. Um, a lot kicked off in that game. Um, a lot of red cards shown by Teo, and, and we'll see more of him at the World Cup starting 20th of November. 
keep an eye on him. The, the only thing about that is I don't understand why a lot of people are so surprised by this. It's Argentinian football. They all can't stand each other. You know, it's the big cup final in Argentina. There's always something goes on. You know what I mean? But yeah, 10 red cards is a bit extreme. But um, yeah, I was expecting something. But the thing is, some of them red cards were, were just shit. You would expect like a couple of two, two foot tackles, a bit of a fight. But you know, it was, it was a bit, man. Uh, hopefully, we don't get them in the World Cup because. Uh, you know, we'll probably be down to t- down to about three men within the within the first for nine minutes. You know uh, what happened now? You won't concede any. You won't do any red cards right in the World Cup. And when he's probably supposed to send someone off, you won't do it now because everyone's watching him to do it. Yeah, 100%. It. yeah the, the pressure's on him now, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, all the eyes of the world's going to be on him now. No one will know any of the other referees, just him. <laughs> um, my ball ache is a team, um, and it's the South African cricket team for once again. You know, choking at the at the wrong time. The you know they needed to beat the Netherlands in uh, in the T Twenty World Cup and managed to lose. And uh, now who were they? You know they were one of the favourites and looked a really good side. They're now out of the of the World Cup and they're pretty much like the Holland of uh, cricket that they always do. You know, aim to do quite well. They always start you know tournaments really well. And yeah, they've they've just thrown it away and they're now out. So the the winners will be either England, India, Pakistan, or, or uh, New Zealand. So um, yeah, so that that's my ball ache. Um, yeah, we'll pretty much wrap that up. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, cheers for you know everything you've done for the Irish Black Cats, getting them you know over to the games and all that. Really appreciate, it and I'll see you at some point soon. Cheers, man. Thanks, Gary. Enjoy the chat. Cheers, man. Appreciate it. Gary, as always, thank you very much. No worries, man. Appreciate yeah. it. We, we will be back next week with the World Cup preview. Um, just before we go off, from me and Gary, we would like to wish a regular guest, Carl Larson, and his wife, Jess, um, all the congratulations in the world on the birth of their little boy, Frederick Ian. Um, Frederick, as in the Swedish Frederick. Um, you know what? Yeah, cheers. Thanks so much, Carl. And, you know, congratulations. You want to say something, Gary? There. <laughs> oh, I thought you were topping it off. Yeah, I mean, we had Carl on um our our podcast there uh, where we were predicting our England. Well, stating our England twenty three. Um, and um, I think it was just about to uh, go on paternity leave as well. So, um, he had his baby boy. Um, yesterday evening, I think it was, wasn't it? And uh, he was in hospital all weekend. So, a very tired Carl and a very tired Jess. But, uh, massive congratulations to you both. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, huge congratulations. Like I say, we'll be back with a big World Cup preview, trying to, you know, frantically look for guests, but um, hopefully we should have a couple of great ones for you next week. And also, coming up, we will be talking about the catastrophe that has gone on with Durham FC. Um, you know, as always, I think, you know, there will be people listening uh, who do listen to this pod about uh, Durham, and I just want to say to Zenith, hang your heads in shame. Um, and Olivia us. Bernard as well, <laughs> you know, just get out, you know, off you go, lads. Um, right, until next week, I've been Ant. Gary, thanks very much, Mike. Cheers. We'll see you all soon. Take care. Cheers, Bye-bye. Take care. Mary 
redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.